When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special edition of Popcorn and Compliance. As you know from prior episodes, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative, and I are huge MCU fans. So we've decided to do the MCU movie oeuvre. That's right. We're going to do all of the MCU movies in this special podcast series. Over the series, we will take a look at the storylines, some of the cookies and other cool things. We'll describe the great action scenes from each um, episode, and then we'll take a look at issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you will enjoy this series. In this episode, we take up the first release in the MCU, although it's number three in chronological order, Iron Man. This podcast is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. I'm Tom Fox. Welcome to the extended series on popcorn and compliance on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm Tom Fox, the founder of the Compliance Podcast Network and the voice of compliance. And I'm Megan Doherty, uh, co-founder of One Stone Creative. Uh, excited to be here for another uh, episode of Popcorn and Compliance, where we're going through the entire MCU in universe-appropriate chronological order. And that's a really interesting point to start on, Megan, because this was the first movie that came out, although it's not mm-hmm. in the first chronological order uh, So of the MCU, as you point out. And um, that caused me some consternation over the years <laughs> until I sat down and watched him in chronological <laughs> order, and then it made complete sense. But uh, I, I want to just start out with a shout-out to the vision of the producers, the directors, the whomevers, to recognize that uh, they uh, actually salted Iron Man 1, which we're doing today, with lots of cookies pointing us to both forward and backwards. And points they picked up on in uh, different movies that became, uh, if not seminal plot points, certainly key plot points. So uh, with that, um, I wanted to give you kind of uh, the three plot points that meant the most or I enjoyed the most. Mm -hmm. And I have to start with the discussion in the Humvees about the Playboy Playmates. First of all... (laughs) Uh, although I am no longer a teenage boy, that was a huge part of my teenage life, <laughs> waiting for the Playboy Playmates to come out each month in Playboy, uh, because in the 1970s, that was about as uh, raunchy as it got uh, in a magazine that I could buy, and uh, or at least have bought for me. And uh, so, uh, not that I tithered through all of that, but it did put a smile on my face, and you could see that even with the uh, younger troops that were in the Humvee with him, 
uh, when there was an entire discussion about whether he'd actually slept with uh, the entire oeuvre of that year's Playmate, Playboy Playmate selection. And though, though he did note there was a twin set of twins that uh, kind of capped off his his year. So um, uh, I had to laugh at that. That is like every teenage boy. I don't know if Playboy is still a thing or not, but when I was growing up, it was a thing. And to start off with that, I mean, the teenage boy in me was teehee in the whole way. Uh, you saw the... Um, the reaction of the female soldier. And I think that was similar to the reaction of my wife, which was just to roll her eyes and all of that. Well, it, it made me laugh because my first um, kind of exposure to the idea of Playboy was mom giving me Gloria Steinem's I Was a Playboy Bunny expose for Miss Magazine. <laughs> so um, the second one I wanted to highlight was the introduction of Pepper Potts. And she's obviously a key character throughout the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. And she's a a fabulous character. But the first time we see her, she had perhaps one of the greatest lines in the entire oeuvre. Uh, And that is after Tony uh, sleeps with a reporter, um, she the next morning brings her a freshly laundered dress that she had worn. And uh, the reporter makes some snide remark that, oh, you must be the hired help, to which she responded, I am. And indeed, sometimes I even have to take the trash out. And that that really set the tone for Pepper Potts for the entire series. It set the tone for her relationship with Tony. And it was just one of the great zinging comebacks of all time. So that was also early on. There's one other thing that, that I'm not sure it's a plot point and I'm not sure people would still think about this, but it was the casting of Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. And I really don't mean as uh, his background as an actor, because I think he's a fabulous actor. He had been nominated for an Oscar for his portrayal of Charlie Chaplin before this. But he, he had gone through some very serious substance abuse issues oh. and um, was very open about it. And... Um, tried to clean up and sober up several times, was unsuccessful and basically said, Hey, I don't want to. And uh, if you don't want to, you're not going to, but he finally did. But that background and he he's always openly talked about it, but that background gave an entire edge to his acting performances, not so much because he was, uh, he was in recovery and he wasn't an addict from certainly Iron Man going forward, but everyone kind of saw him in that light. And when he did crazy stuff, it's like, yeah, he did. And it, it really added an edge. People don't think about that too much anymore. But back then, um, it, it really it, it really provided a different level to, to uh, how we interpreted his acting. And he wasn't the first uh, candidate for uh, Tony Stark. Um, I was a little bit surprised to find Tom Cruise had been actually uh, in part of the discussions. But uh, he... Tom Cruise for, for the role of Tony Stark? For the role of Tony Stark. Uh, That's yeah, in, almost so, inconceivable. <laughs> I, I know. Uh, but Robert Downey Jr. showed up for his um, screen test in a tux. And that really impressed uh, the producers. And he obviously got the part. And... Uh, he his acting and and his kind of style uh, really uh, he became Tony Stark and to me he is Tony Stark and he certainly had other roles I mentioned the Chaplin role where he was nominated for an Oscar um, 
where his acting was fabulous. Uh, but um, just bringing him on board, and, and back then, I think this was uh, 06 or 08, when the movie came out, he, he had this whole backstory that we all knew about. And it added an edge to how we perceived his performance. I don't think it added an edge to his performance because I think he had that edge all along. But uh, I really thought about that, and I hadn't really thought about what we thought of him back then, and we certainly don't think of him that way now. So what are some of the plot points you enjoyed the most? I think mine were really about um, kind of the evolution of Tony Stark as a character from the beginning of the movie to the end. Those are the ones that I think hit me the most. And the very first one was also right at the beginning in those Humvees um, at the beginning when he's joking with the with those um so so very young soldiers and uh when he was taking the selfie with um that one he was sitting in the back with him and they get through the peace sign i think that comes back again and again from tony stark throughout the mcu as he's now about peace he likes the peace and that was i don't think it affected him at the moment but after that child died and after he had the experience in the caves with with poor jensen um i think it opened up a little hole in tony stark's heart that wasn't filled until he met spider-man um so I, i thought that was um just a really nice kind of way of setting up what what would kind of help drive that shift he makes as a character um, over this movie and, and the ones that follows. The next one when was when right after he had finally realized Pepper Potts is, uh, I guess, girlfriend material, um, aside from being the person who runs his entire organization. <laughs> but uh, when he, that's when immediately after he has that, that kind of heart centered realization, um, that's when he finds out about the double dealing and the fact that the arm, that his company was selling to both sides. Um, and I'll come back to you with a question I've got for you about that specifically in a moment. Um, but the final one, uh, the plot point wise, uh, again, with Pepper Potts and with, with his feelings, which I think is really kind of the, the thread through everything, um, was when he self-sacrificed by telling Pepper to push the button, you know, throw the circuit breakers, explode the factory, even though he was still in it. That just foreshadowed the end of Endgame. Uh, like the, they must have planned it from the beginning, but that first, you know, he goes from a warmonger selling weapons to, to all sorts of places in the world to no, okay, self-sacrifice. It's better that this ends and that I die and everyone else is okay. And that was, that was the really big one. Um, so you, it did make me want to ask, um, when he, oh, go ahead, please. So you had a compliance question. I do have a compliance question, and it has to do with that um, selling arms to both sides kind of thing. Um, you know, from a, like how easy or difficult would it be for a company to actually get away with that? You know, if there is a competent compliance officer on board <laughs> and kind of beneath the nose of like the majority shareholder, is that is it even a thing, or is it like just movie world only? We'll be right back more on Iron Man after this message from our sponsor. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
So uh, selling to parties is governed by export control laws. And if a Mm -hmm. entity person or party is not on the denied parties list or on some other prohibited parties list, you can sell to them. Mm-hmm. So uh, we just call it the bad guys list. If they're on the bad guys list, you can't sell to them um, <laughs> or you're not supposed to. So that's sort of issue number one. Were any of these terrorists on the bad guys list? If yes, they shouldn't have been doing it. If no, then you then you move to a, a less legal, more uh, Aristotelian uh, ethical analysis of should, should you be <clears throat> selling to both sides? And unfortunately, Arms manufacturers tend to sell to people who pay them, um, and they're fairly agnostic beyond that point. So it really didn't surprise me at all, particularly uh, as evil as Odebiah became, <coughs> or he was. So uh, um, what about <coughs> some of the cookies you enjoyed? When Why don't you start off by telling us about your three favorite cookies? Uh, my first one is not necessarily an MCU cookie, um, but it was the Mad Money with Jim Cramer show and podcast. Um, when after he had announced that he wasn't going to be in uh, you know arms dealing anymore, stand up and cheer moment right there. Um, but yeah, the Mad Money with Jim Cramer podcast is in the top 100 business podcasts report that we uh, released this year and also last year. So that was my favorite personal cookie. Uh, and I I I guess I had known somewhere inside of myself that that sort of bombastic with all the buttons and the sound effects thing uh, was real. But I mean, it doesn't air on TV here in Canada. So I hadn't really seen that uh, happening. It was, it was, I thought it was a joke at first. And then I looked it up and it's like, Oh no, wait, I know that name. <laughs> That's a real it's a thing, real thing and a real guy. So that, that was my big one. Uh, and this one totally flipping to uh, another side of things um, was the Obadiah is Salieri Amadeus kind of thing happening with the the music that he was playing on the piano when Tony comes up for the first time and the like whole fictionalized rivalry between uh, uh, Salieri and, and uh, uh, Mozart. Wow. I'm completely blanking on the Mozart. Thank you. Uh, happy Monday. Uh, where, you know, Salieri believes he should have the power and he should have the fame and he should have the glory and he has all the skill. And uh, you know, why did God bless such a, a reprobate with, uh, you know, all of this talent that's being widely recognized. So I thought that was pretty great, um, just as a, as a thing to slip in there. And finally, um, Pepper Potts grabbing Tony's heart, and then Tony saving himself using that same heart later, uh, tugged on my little heart. So I thought that was pretty sweet. So we should... Oh, and yanking it out like a trout. Um, that is... Probably should have mentioned in my discussion about Robbie uh, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Jeannie D- Dietrich being the world's biggest Robert Downey Jr. fan. If you ever wonder what to give her for oh, a Christmas fun. or birthday gift, you send her a picture of Robert Downey Jr. Um, any picture. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I wonder if he's on. Um, yeah. Yeah. Here were my cookies, and <clears throat> this is where I thought not only did I enjoy these at the time. But in later retro, re- reflection, uh, they were just brilliant and uh, showed how much foresight whoever was producing these or screenwriting these or thinking of these really did. So uh, my first one was uh, Phil Coulson uh, at the end. 
Oh, and yeah. Phil goes and he gives Tony a story about um, how the they're going to explain away Iron Man. And, of course, Tony, uh, to the thunderous music of um, Iron Man, uh, uh, says, I am Iron Man. But um, at one point uh, before they get there, uh, Phil says to Tony, sir, this is not my first rodeo. Now, we didn't know the backstory to that until we, of course, watched number two in the chronological sequence, which was Captain Marvel. Yeah. And we saw met Phil Coulson there. And uh, you're right. He was right. It wasn't his first rodeo. He had dealt with superheroes before. So um, uh, I thought that was just a, a brilliant line once I, once I went back, kind of reviewed it and thought about it, particularly in the context of our podcast um, on Captain Marvel. Number two, early on in the kind of opening montage, there was a newspaper article about the death of Howard Stark and his wife. And that, of Mm -hmm. course, is a huge plot point. And it's a hugely important point um, as we move to the story of the Winter Soldier, as we move through uh, Tony's uh, story as well. And there was actually, you know, showed the newspaper report of their death on highway in New York state. So um, I thought that uh, was really cool. And then finally kind of tied Just into, to add to that. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, uh, I think that was called back to again, when he was watching the newscast on uh, the little town in Gulmira, when the reporter said, uh, and now there's only the sound of a child asking, where's my mom and dad? And that was when he when he decided to go to that benefit. So I think, yeah, they they pulled that through again. Uh, and then the third point is uh, tangentially tied to um, Phil Coulson and the first radio comment mm-hmm. in the what became a great tradition in the MCU was at the end of the movie they would have a little uh, uh, prequel or uh, teaser for the next movie Stinger. or the next series of movies. And Iron Man, since it was the first that came out, we had not seen that before. Uh, so it was, mm-hmm. it was very cool. That's true. And, uh, and in it, Nick um, Fury, um, of course, by Samuel L. Jackson says, uh, you think you're the only superhero? Well, at that time I thought he was, <laughs> there, there must be some other ones out there that we didn't know about now, of course. Captain Marvel had come out, and so he knew about her. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Captain uh, Avenger um, had, uh, uh, excuse me, Captain America, the first Avenger, had come out. So we had those superheroes. So Nick Fury was had been clearly thinking about, as we know from Captain Marvel, the Avenger project, um, and mm-hmm. bringing Tony on board, uh, we we guessed perhaps that might be down the road, but we didn't know uh, about the first two movies because they hadn't come out yet. So because we watched them in chronological order, we saw that development. But I think we all kind of swooned when we saw Samuel L. Jackson with the eye patch and Nick Fury. And we knew, Ooh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. So uh, those were kind of my uh, three cookies. Mm-hmm. And I guess, Megan, maybe if I could end with, um, since this was the first one that came out, 
How did you really feel when you saw it? Were you excited? Did you really see uh, something down the road? Was it just because it was so new and different at the time? Uh, was it just uh, the wow factor? How did you, how did it really make you feel to see it? Because we were both quite a bit younger then. Well, I've got a confession. Um, I was exactly old enough to think I was not interested at all in superhero movies uh, when this came out. In fact, the first MCU movie I saw was Thor Ragnarok when it came out. I didn't start watching until then. And then I was like, oh, this is amazing. I've got to go back and watch everything. <laughs> but I, I was uh, Endgame was over before I really got into it. No, Endgame was coming out right when I was getting into it. Um, so I didn't see it when it was new. Um, and, it, it, you know, looking, watching it for the first time much later, um, uh, yeah, I didn't have that, this is going to be something big. And it, it really, I was thinking as I was watching this, you remember thinking this was the first one, did they have an idea how far they'd be able to take this universe? Like, they planned, like, they obviously seeded this movie with so much about the future and about the past and the other movies. Uh without any assurance, I guess, that it was actually going to become the huge phenomenon that it did. Uh, so yeah, I'm wondering how big the people who made it thought it was going to be. But tell me about your experience watching it, because if you saw it when it came out... Uh... Well, first of all, I have to observe, I didn't realize that as a teenager you were that cool, that you were beyond superhero movies. That's, <laughs> I was that in my 20s. Well, a whole, was... whole new part of your background yeah, I was not 2000... aware of. Hey, so I was... I... I would have been I would have been about twenty one, I think, when this came out for the first time. Uh, so I was I was just like, I don't like superhero movies. Oh, that's kid stuff. Uh, <laughs> Megan, the cool phase. Okay. Uh wasn't aware of that. So um very cool. <laughs> but that actually is is equally interesting because uh I think many of us have, have discovered movies later in our life and because of our experience, whatever we've done professionally, mm-hmm. personally, and we uh, see it through a completely different eyes. But uh, so I was a been in my um, late forties when that came out, and um, mm-hmm. and I was a complete kid. I was like, "Is this is so mm-hmm. cool?" You know, we start off by talking about Playboy Playmates, and I'm going, "He he 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 he." Uh, <laughs> I get to see, and then move forward uh, to. The thing that kind of interested me the most was I was a huge comic books fan as a kid. And Captain, or or, excuse me, Iron Man was not really a major player. He was not the kind of top three or four superheroes. And so I thought it was interesting that they would bring him forward um, as well. And then the, the, as you accurately described the, the arc of Tony Stark's development uh, clearly, um, or uh, I guess we would say his hero's journey uh, from that uh, Humvee scene uh, to recognizing uh, that there was a, a bigger picture out here. He wasn't seeing, and then the uh, ghastness of finding out that he was actually uh, propagating uh, this mass destruction through uh, illegal arms sales from his company. So um, uh, that was a, a pretty interesting uh, character arc. And I guess, um, at that point, I didn't have, obviously, the full picture of, of where this was going. But that's why going back and, and seeing it now and, and watching it again and researching it for this podcast series with you has been so great because now we have the, really the whole story, at least up until Endgame, and we can see what they were doing and how they were doing it. But I remember at the time just thinking, this is so cool. 
Uh, and the teenage boy in me thought, this is so cool. And I get to have the coolest toys and I get to look at Playboy Playmates. It's just, uh, you know, how much cooler can life be uh, than this? So um, I, I really mm-hmm. saw that through a multi multifaceted eyes and I really enjoyed it. And it was a ton of fun. No, it was a uh, uh- I guess one of the, the the nice things about coming to like um, a franchise like this late um, is that you get so much all at once, <laughs> and you know you don't have to it, it you know, you don't get the the joy of delayed gratification, but you do get the joy of binge watching. Um, so I guess there's there's trade offs on both sides. And if someone is listening to this who by some chance has never delved into the MCU, go for it, go for it. Maybe maybe you'll find out that superheroes are cool after all. <laughs> there you go. Well, Megan, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time for this episode, but I'm Tom Fox, and I hope folks will join us again for our next episode of Popcorn and Compliance, the MCU. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this special episode of Popcorn and Compliance, the Marvel Cinematic Universe series or MCU series. I hope you'll join Megan and I when we return for the first movie which was released and that's Iron Man which will be our next episode on this series Popcorn and Compliance the MCU series is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.